We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On a previous show, I made the claim that the evangelical church and its parachurch organizations like Christian colleges are becoming little more than a bunch of wolves dressed in shepherd's clothing. Well, I've been asked for proof to support my claim. On today's show, I'm going to give you a boatload of it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Today's topic, I'm going to give you proof. A bunch of scenarios, specific scenarios that I personally have encountered as the result of working within the evangelical church and its parachurch organizations. I've been involved in Christian education, Christian colleges and universities virtually my entire career. I've actually been a leader within some of these organizations, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, a Christian college, Christian Liberal Arts University, that's owned and operated by the Wesleyan Church. I've been a vice president of other institutions, such as Spring Arbor University, my alma mater, which is a Christian evangelical university owned and operated, or at least affiliated with, the Free Methodist Church, another holiness denomination. I have been the president of a committee within the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, the umbrella organization that represents all Christ-affirming, quote-unquote, Christian colleges and universities across the land. So I've had personal experiences here, and I know that some of you are scratching your head and saying, why is he being so hard on the evangelical church, its leaders, its pastors, and the professors at evangelical Christian colleges? Does he have any proof to support, to support his claims, his claims that they're being led, these churches, these denominations, and these colleges and universities are being led by a bunch of wolves in shepherd's clothing? The context for my claim is an article that I wrote just this past week for the Washington Times, and the article stood as the pretext for a broadcast that I did thereafter here on The Rebellion. And I said this, I said this in the article, and I said this on the show. I said, when you see, when you see uh, evangelicals and Catholics, when you see people that claim Christian faith, orthodoxy, when you see a bunch of evangelical and Catholic pastors and priests and professors stumbling over themselves to embrace the Marxism of Black Lives Matter and the blatant racism of Ibrahim X. Kendi, when you see them elevating the class conflict and collective blame of critical theory over and above those teachings of Jesus and the Bible, when you see leaders elevate Marcuse over Moses and social justice over Jesus, you might want to stop and ask yourself a question. Do we have biblically faithful leaders? The inerrancy and the authenticity of, and the authority of the Bible, along with the corollary self-evident truths from the Bible that serve as the foundation 
for our constitutional republic are now being panned as the as racism and and bigotry by these leaders at your local church and in your local Christian schools. I said this, these people have been worshiping the created rather than the creator for so long that they can't think their way out of a paper bag any longer. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I'm quoting from the Epistle of Romans right now. And they've truly been given over to a reprobate mind. Again, to quote St. Paul. In the spirit of the original sin, I said, they have declared themselves to be as God, and in return, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. That's a quote from the Psalms. So I'm making a very strong claim. I'm saying that it's been said that wolves in sheep's clothing are dangerous, but wolves in shepherd's clothing are downright deadly. And I'm making the claim that America's church leaders its pastors and its Christian college faculty and the presidents of these Christian universities have become wolves disguised as shepherds. Our pastors and our Christian faculty, who are supposed to be the salt and light of the gospel to a dying culture and a dark world, are, another, are now nothing more than pallid milk toast, I said in my article and, and to you on this show. And they, they should be the strong drink of the evangel, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ himself. Our culture needs the strong drink of the gospel, not this, this tepid, lukewarm milk. How did we get in this mess? Well, I'd say you need to look no further than the leadership of your local evangelical denomination, church, the supposedly orthodox church on your corner, or perhaps the Christian university nearby. And I think what you're going to find is a bunch of wolves with very sharp teeth that are disguised with a pelt, perhaps, of a dead sheep. That's my claim. Can I support it? You bet you I can. And I'm going to do so after we take this break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and we'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So can I support my alarmism? Can I support my contention that evangelical organizations, denominations, churches, and the parachurch organizations, such as Christian colleges and universities, can I support my warning that it appears that we've got a bunch of wolves in sheep's clothing? Yeah, I can support it. And I'm going to go through several examples right now, specific examples that I've encountered. These are firsthand, these are firsthand situations, so I'm not going on gossip or hearsay. This is what I've had to deal with throughout the course of my career. Uh, the first scenario I'm going to bring up involves Fuller Theological Seminary. Now, Fuller has been one of the predominant primary uh, graduate schools for evangelical theological education in the nation. It's on the West Coast. Fuller Theological Seminary has been a leader in evangelical Christian education for, for decades. For decades. In many ways, it's one of the flagship organizations within the evangelical Christian movement. But what's my concern with Fuller? Well, did you know that Fuller was the first, to my knowledge, the first evangelical organization, the first evangelical educational institution, graduate school, seminary, college. It was the first 
one, to officially sanction and recognize an LGBTQ student club on its campus. Yes, that's true. That's a fact. Fuller Theological, some years ago, even before the Obergefell decision, officially sanctioned an organization on its campus called One Table. One Table was sanctioned by the Fuller administration and faculty. It's an LGBTQ to gay and lesbian and trans student organization on the Fuller campus. And the first activity that One Table conducted on Fuller's campus was, was held in the Fuller Chapel, and it was the viewing of the movie Milk. Milk is a movie about Harvey Milk, a homosexual activist, and some would claim an active and outspoken pedophile because of his sexual activity for, with minor boys. Fuller Theological Seminary officially sanctioned the Group One Table, a gay, lesbian, trans student organization for its campus, and the first event they had was the viewing of Milk, the movie about Harvey Milk, on its campus. Does that, does that concern you? Does that seem to be consistent with an evangelical Christian institution? Well, I didn't think so, and that leads me to the second scenario, because I posted um, a tweet of concern, and I basically said this. Keep in mind that what happens at Fuller, what happens at the, on the West Coast, is going to affect everything else in the evangelical community from West Coast to East. The dominoes will fall from Fuller across the entire evangelical Christian education community. I posted that warning. And I sent that to my entire board of trustees at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. The result was an re immediate reprimand by a man by the name of Russ Gonzalez, who was in charge of education for the Wesleyan Church as a denomination, in charge in the sense that he holds a position as director of education for the entire Wesleyan denomination, and therefore has a seat on every board within the Wesleyan educational community which means he sits on the board of Houghton College, Indiana Wesleyan University, Southern Wesleyan University, Oklahoma Wesleyan University, the institution I was the president of, and Kingswood College in Sussex, Ontario. Those are the Wesleyan colleges and universities that are officially owned, operated, and sanctioned by the Wesleyan Church. Okay? So what was Russ, Russ Gonzalez's response to my concerns? It was immediate reprimand, a public reprimand, where he challenged me in my criticism of Fuller Theological Seminary and supported Fuller and its establishment and sanctioning of LGBTQ student clubs on its campus, and thereby implicitly saying that he would not have a problem with any of the Wesleyan institutions doing the same or any other Christian institution. And he put this in writing in front of the entire Board of Trustees. And here's the thing. The response from the Board of Trustees was stunningly mute. Oh, I had a couple that spoke up and said that they felt that Russ was wrong. But very few, very few chose to publicly dispute him and tell him that this was an unbiblical position to take. And the person that was really quiet was the general superintendent. Dr. Joanne Lyons, she said almost nothing. And her successor, 
Dr. Wayne Schmidt, who's current the current superintendent, general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, has likewise been quiet on all of this. And let me give you two additional examples from within the ranks of the Wesleyan denomination, the Wesleyan Church. You have Dr. Shirley Mullen of Houghton College and Dr. David Wright of Indiana Wesleyan University, both of which have taken to the airwaves recently and posted a rather emotional videos in support of the LGBTQIA student communities on their campus. The gay and lesbian and trans student communities on their campus, where they're affirming that identity, that subjective identity claim, but that your inclinations, sexual and otherwise, are the sum total of your human identity. And we at these Christian universities are going to affirm you and celebrate that. Dr. Mullen did it, even in spades, by inviting a alumnus, an alumnus, who identifies as a gay Christian to actually speak, speak at their campus. And Dr. Mullen celebrated this. Dr. David Wright, he didn't invite a gay Christian, quote-unquote, which I would argue is an oxymoron. A Christian does not define themselves by virtue of their favorite sins. No, a Christian believes that you must be born again, that you're not born that way. A Christian believes that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, the old is past and the new has come. This is what we're taught by St. Paul in, in his writing to the first century church in Corinth. Jesus himself said, you must be born again. There's no indication that Jesus ever looked at a sinner and said, well, you were born that way. Celebrate it. That's your identity. But yet we have David Wright of Indiana Wesleyan University and Shirley Mullen of Houghton College buying the lie and actually publicly proclaiming with tearful affirmation that they celebrate the gay Christian communities on their campuses. And they've put it out in video. You can watch. You can watch the stuff that I'm concerned about and mentioning here. In addition to that, you have Shirley Hoekstra. She's the president of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities. And I've told you this story before. Immediately after the Obergefell decision, the decision of the Supreme Court to codify into law, quote-unquote, gay marriage across the land, to change thousands of years of teaching and tradition and law with regard to what it means to be married, the Supreme Court by virtue of a split vote, decides what decides that that definition no longer holds, that marriage is not the union of one man and one woman, a nuclear family, to raise their own children accordingly. Uh, sanctioned by God and Scripture since the dawn of time. No, that's no longer what marriage is. Obergefell was a decision that changed all that. One of the worst decisions ever in the history of of the Supreme Court of the United States. Literally the day after that decision, I received a letter, as did every other college president within the CCCU, the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, which is supposedly an organization that represents the evangelical educational community. Those few, some 120 plus, colleges and universities across the land that still affirm the gospel the evangel, the good news of the Bible, and teach accordingly. 
Dr. Hoekstra sent out a letter asking all college presidents to think about the Obergefell decision and what we were going to do with regard to the potential of hiring gay and lesbian and trans faculty that are married. And the reason she did that is two institutions immediately announced that they were going to do that. Two CCCU colleges and universities announced immediately after Obergefell that they were going to start hiring married homosexual faculty. Those two institutions were Goshen College and Eastern Mennonite University. I responded to this, as I've told you before, by calling Dr. Hoekstra and telling her that I felt her letter was inappropriate. Rhetorical question was, I thought the Bible was pretty clear on the definition of marriage. And what is it that you're asking us to discuss? I thought we were supposed to be teaching that confession of sin was important, not the celebration of it or the affirmation of sin. I thought we were supposed to be talking about our identity being in our Lord, not our libido. Dr. Hoekstra, I don't understand why you're asking us to have a discussion within the CCCU on this matter. She literally literally, excuse me, responded to me and said, Dr. Piper, the CCCU is a big umbrella. We've got a lot of different denominations represented within our organization. We have Baptists, we have Free Methodists, we have Nazarenes, we have Wesleyans, we have Assembly of God institutions, we have non-denominational schools such as Taylor University, Wheaton College, Westmont, etc. And as we have disagreements on other issues such as methods of baptism and whether or not you speak in tongues, we need to discuss this particular issue in like context. And my response to Dr. Hoekstra was, Dr. Hoekstra, you just conflated a disagreement over whether or not you're dunked or sprinkled in baptism with a volitional sexual sin of sodomy. I said, I will never concede this argument. So you have Shirley Mullen celebrating the gay and lesbian students on her campus and inviting a quote-unquote gay Christian to speak at Houghton College. You have David Wright going on video and issuing this long, heartfelt, tearful, remorseful lament about how the gay and lesbian community at Indiana Wesleyan needs to be treated better. You have Fuller Theological Seminary being the first institution to officially sanction gay and lesbian student organizations on its campus, the first evangelical institution to do so. You have Russ Gonzalez, who was on my board of trustees at Oklahoma Wesleyan, challenging me because I disagreed with Fuller and doing so publicly in front of the entire board via email. And not backing down, doubling down, when I said, are you crazy? What in the world are you talking about? These are specific examples. You ask why I think we are currently in a situation where we have a bunch of wolves in shepherd's clothing leading the evangelical church? Well, I'm giving you examples of it right now, and I'm not done. I'm not done. Here's another situation. You have Pastor Andrew McGee of the Church of the Nazarene, the Nazarene denomination, an ordained pastor up in the Kansas City area. He has started a group, and it's called Love Wins LGBT. 
Love wins LGBT. Maybe there's a Q on the end of it. I can't remember. Their acronyms change over time. But Pastor McGee openly describes himself as a bisexual Christian. He is a pastor for the Nazarene Church, and he argues for gay Christianity. Oh, he'll say that he doesn't believe in practicing his bisexual inclinations, but he celebrates his identity as a bisexual. He flaunts it. He says it over and over again. He actually even has it cited on his bio. And he also openly and repeatedly challenges people to support him as he calls upon the Nazarene denomination to become more affirming and open and welcoming to LGBTQIA Christians. Now, does this sound like the preaching of the gospel? Does this sound like preaching repentance and confession? Does this sound like somebody who believes that you're transformed, you're not transgendered if you're in Christ? Does this sound like somebody calling upon the sinner to be born again and never accept the fact that you're born that way? That's within the Nazarene Church. Andrew McGee, pastor in Kansas City, is celebrating his bisexuality. That's his identity. And he's speaking openly about the church becoming more affirming, welcoming, and loving, quote-unquote, to those gay Christians among us. Is it, your head should be spinning right now. This is not the gospel. This is not, not the preaching of repentance, confession. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Does that verse sound like it's something that would come out of the mouths of these people who are celebrating? Celebrating a community, quote-unquote, of people identifying themselves by their sins, by their libido, rather than identifying with the cleansing blood of their Lord and Savior? Now, there's more. When Andrew McGee came out and started pushing his LGBTQIA Love Wins organization, I criticized it. I said, this is wrong. And I started a firestorm. There was a grand reaction. Many people supporting me, but they did so privately because they were afraid of the retribution, of the kickback, the blowback from their more progressive friends within their churches and denominations. And because there was that reaction, that public reaction to my criticism to this organization within the Nazarene Church, the general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church actually issued a public letter, a public letter supporting Andrew McGee and Love Wins in the Nazarene Church and implicitly refuting me and my criticism of the same. The general superintendent at the time of the Wesleyan Church, who still holds the position to this day, he is the leader, he's the grand poobah of the Wesleyan denomination worldwide, is Dr. Wayne Schmidt. So he supports Andrew McGee, a bisexual, quote-unquote, Christian, and implicitly rebuts my position of challenging this as being an unbiblical ministry. Those are some examples. Oh, I'm not done. I can give you more. How about Black Lives Matter and critical race theory? 
I've received phone calls from parents and students of an institution that I was the president of, Oklahoma Wesleyan University, concerned that there's now a professor on campus that's teaching critical race theory in an affirming way, not teaching it in the sense that I want you to understand it so that you can pick it apart and see what's wrong with it. No, teaching it because it is a valid tool for analyzing culture, critical theory. Jamar Tisby being one of the books that this professor is using. One of the students actually told me that when he raised his hand in class and disagreed with this professor um, teaching that um, whites were guilty of privilege, the student raised his hand and said, I disagree with that. That's essentially labeling people by the color of their skin rather than honoring the content of their character. That's racist to say that people of one color of skin are always guilty of privilege. The professor responded and shot the kid down in front of all the other students in class by saying, well, you just proved your white privilege. And that happened at a school that I led for 17 years, Oklahoma Wesleyan University. How about the issue of abortion? I actually interviewed a candidate at Oklahoma Wesleyan University once for a nursing faculty position. This candidate had stunning credentials. She came from a sister denomination, the Nazarene Church, as a matter of fact. She had taught at Southern Naz University. Her husband and son both likewise had taught at Southern Naz University. I thought the woman was a slam dunk. But I asked her at the very end of the interview, what's your position on life? And her response was, well, that's a political discussion. And I closed the interview out by just nodding letting her go, and I turned to the entire interview committee, the selection committee, as the door closed behind this woman, and I said to the committee, do not hire her. We cannot have a faculty member at this school that doesn't understand that God defines life. She doesn't, I don't, and you don't, and that's not a political position to say so. It's a biblical, it's a biblical discussion because the Bible makes it clear. God defines life. We don't. Now, had I not asked that question, I would have had a faculty member that didn't believe that all human life is sacred and should be protected and would have felt uncomfortable with this discussion because it's too political. And then there's the situation at Spring Arbor University, my alma mater, when I worked there, where I actually had a faculty member confronting students in class by saying this, quote-unquote, Jesus Christ, don't you understand the answer to the question? This faculty member was actually using the Lord's name in vain. And the provost defended her by saying that, well, some people of her denomination don't consider that to be cursing. What? Then why in the world are we hiring people like that? Okay, I've given you a laundry list to prove my point. The evangelical church and its parachurch organizations like evangelical Christian colleges are rife with a bunch of wolves that are dressed in shepherd's clothing. And these are very dangerous places to be. It would almost be better to go to a secular institution that's honest about it than an evangelical church or college that lies about who they are. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.